This week we've got questions on Ray Bradbury books, violent films, RFK, and is it a sin not to vote? Welcome to another episode of Off the Menu, now being broadcast and podcast on the Crusade Channel. Talk radio the way it should be at crusadechannel.com. I'm your host, Vincent Franchini from Tumblr House, here with a bulacally, colicky Charles Coulomb. Did I say that right? Bucolically, colicky Charles Coulomb. There we go. Bucolically, colicky? Yeah. Are you having speech therapy? Okay, I feel well, like well, I, I feel like I said words. All right, fine. Those are words that are descriptive. Yeah, they're descriptive. They're saying that I've got an upset tummy out in the woods somewhere, out out of the countryside. <laughs> but Great. they rhyme and they're exotic. You have a hard time pronouncing them. Yeah, bucolically, colicky. Like a tongue twister. Okay, great. Yeah. Fine. Fine. As long as you're able to speak, I'm all for it. Okay. I mean, if you find it therapeutic, who am I to, who am I to disagree? I feel like Eddie Lennox. Yeah, you're a self-healing vendor, or you're a self-healer vendor or whatever. You're supposed to be in favor of good things, like therapy. Sweet dreams are made of these. Who am I to disagree? I've traveled the world of the seven seas. Everyone's looking for something. You know, some people want to use you. Some people want to be used by you. Some people want to abuse you. Some people want to be abused. Truer words have never been spoken. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> At least not by antibiotics. Which, you know... That was such an 80s sound. What was her band called? Eurythmics? That's right, the Eurythmics. Yeah. Gosh, doesn't that take you back? I mean, I I wasn't really there, so I don't know if I can go back, but... What do you mean the word there? What do you mean by there? I mean, I wasn't, like, uh, cognizant in time. Like, I was born in 1984. I don't know if... I mean, maybe, I don't know. I just don't have any memory of that song, Charles. You know? So I can't take me back unless I take like a, I don't know. So what you're telling me is that the early 80s, the age of liquid sky, when I was in my early 20s, uh, it's, it's a complete a complete unknown continent to you. Yeah, yeah. And the, the my teens, the seventies, the age, the days of dazed and confused, that too is is beyond you. Yeah, you know what were the decades like to you? So from the sixties to seventies, was seventies an improvement or or a decrease for you from the sixties? Well, see, the sixties themselves kind of had a breaking point because as a very little boy in New York. My memories are foggy, but somewhat intact, primarily because we had to leave and go to L.A. <laughs> mm. And I've, as I've since learned, I mean, in all I could, if we'd stayed in New York, my memories would not begin as early as they do. 
but apparently kids who go through what they consider traumas try to remember the before time in a way that you don't if you don't have a trauma. That makes sense. So, uh, New York, I remember very vividly and very happily as looking something like a cross between Mad Men and Perry Mason. And then we came out to L.A., and all of a sudden it was the hippie era. And I hated it. I really hated it. But, I mean, things were pleasant for me personally, although we were in the house of Criswell, of course. Okay. And uh, that was where I was exposed to all sorts of interesting things, from UFOs and Bigfoot to Mrs. Criswell grazing in the uh, in the field. Okay, so then the 70s came, and well, the, the macro came. went from bad to worse, or...? It, yeah, I would say the macro went from bad to worse because what happened was that the the silliness of the 60s, which was a mixed bag, because some of it was, was kind of interesting and some of it was stupid, the stupid got institutionalized in the 70s. And the fashions got, they went from colorful to weird. Hmm. Uh, I mean, just bizarre. And I didn't like that. And I, I didn't like the triumph of the bell bottom. You know, there was a period from roughly 69 to 72 or 3 where you could not get non-flared trousers. Right. I. That's hard to – that sounds like hell. <laughs> Honestly, that's, it was. that's really, it really bad. Was. <sighs> it really was. And, of course, the, the rise of the double net was, was scary. I've, I've often thought that uh, one reason for the anti-smoking movement were the um, – insane number of fatalities from people going up in flames when their hot ash hit the double knit trousers, you know, just poof and they're gone. One minute you're talking to someone, the next minute they flick an ash and oh God, no more. Mm. But, uh, and then of course the Jufro and the, the, the chains and the, not just chest hair, but the chest hair wigs, which I thought was kind of a stupid innovation. Uh, the shirts with the scenery on the back. Yeah, I hated all that. And the yeah. the the open shirt suit with the weird weird shaped lapels. And and don't get me started on dinner jackets, powder blue and burgundy corduroy, with ruffled shirts and these vampire bat uh, bow ties. Hmm. So then the 80s come along and... Well, well, the 80s were interesting because there, there was a certain return to elegance. Uh, There was a certain kind of, at least in L.A., a certain kind of refined decadence. It was the Reagan era. And so it felt like we'd escaped the 60s, finally. Um, it was a little bit like the reign of Benedict in the church. Hmm. Well, you know, from from an outsider's perspective, uh, trying to gauge things through movies, very it's eighty seemed uh, very family oriented. Well, there, there was a, a, you might say a return to that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and also, oddly enough, television 
got somewhat better than it had been in the late 70s. Hmm. Uh, see, especially, I mean, if like myself, you were a fan of detective shows, man, did you, did you have a ton of stuff? Uh, Magnum PI, Simon and Simon, Murder, She Wrote. Uh, I mean, the hits just kept on coming and they were fun. You know, they were really fun shows. Uh, Matlock, who can forget the glories of Matlock? I mean, Andy Griffith in the role he was born to play. I'll say. All right. And then the uh, 80s turned into the 90s, and I was in my 30s. And they were pleasant. And then came the turn of the century. Well, you skip 90s like that. That's like my special era. And then you say, oh, and the 80s turned into 90s, and nothing was well, here. Uh, see, time, time, time sped up for me. Because uh, okay. in your 30s, time speeds up. But we're talking about the macro. Well, in the macro, the 90s were kind of annoying and wonderful at the same time. Hmm. The wonderful was the fall of the Soviet Union and the and the decommunization of Eastern Europe, starting in the late 80s, 89 and so on, but just continuing. And that part was great. Um, but then you had Bill Clinton come along. And I mean, he was just a piece of garbage. And mind you, the, the early 90s under Bush was a, a real time of lost opportunities, in my humble opinion. Uh, I thought then, I wrote then in columns. Mind you, I was writing professionally by that time. I wrote in various columns that what we needed to do was put in a Marshall Plan for Central Europe and Russia and welcome the formerly communist countries back into the family of nations on an equal footing. And I predicted that if we didn't, bad stuff would happen. Of course, I didn't predict how depraved we would become. See, I didn't know we were going to become like a big bordello. Uh, a big bordello with a, a, a madam running it. I had no idea that we were going to become total scumbags. No one told me. It wasn't until the referendum on scumbaggery. Do you sign off on gay marriage? Do you sign off on abortion up until after birth? Do you sign up on transgender? Do you sign that? That was the great referendum. We voted on all that. Well, so when was that? I mean, you jumped decades here. You, 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 we, like, I feel like you jumped two decades. When do we? When we were allowed by our owners to vote on it? I can do this. Don't help me. Oh, never. Okay. It was just shoved down our throats. What facilitated it, however, I think, was the dying off of the so-called greatest generation. We voted for it in California, I thought. We we voted against it. Against? Uh, Gay marriage. Well, yeah, but that didn't matter because that was what the electorate wanted. And see, we live in a democracy. 
So in a democracy, you take whatever the pieces of garbage that own you give you, and you eat it, and you like it. Because that's called democracy. And then you're not supposed to notice. Okay. That's why I think Governor Newsom will be a great president, because he's the acme of the system. All right. Are we... Are, are we... Going through time still, or is this just sort of like spreading no, out no, into a general thing here? No, okay. a general tirade. <laughs> he was actually my commander of the National Guard, General Tirade. That sounds... <laughs> <laughs> he was assisted by General Nuisance. Wow. <laughs> All right. Enough of that. Uh, no, so in the 90s then, uh, stuff under Clinton, uh, scumminess became respectable. You know, we had a very popular man who was at once the best-known adulterer and the best-known perjurer in the country. And that was Slick Willie. And then he was he was succeeded by Bush Jr., who uh, got us into the forever war and used up his political capital so completely that he was replaced with the inimitably disgusting Barack Obama. Well, how how, how is that? I mean, he, he won re-election... He won re-election, so, but the problem was. He won re-election, but, you know, the thing that really got me about him, about uh, Bush uh, Jr., you remember the Cuban kid who was uh, trapped over here? Uh, was, El- Elian was, Gonzalez or something like that? Elian Gonzalez, yeah. that's right. And you remember the Italian girl who was brain dead, supposedly? Ter- uh, Terry Schiavo. Yeah. Yeah. Terry Schiavo, that's the one. So Ian Gonzalez, uh, that was Janet Reno who, who messed up with that one. Terry Schiavo, you see these are mnemonics. I remember the one after the other. Uh, President Bush was in a position actually to save Terry Schiavo, and it chose not to. And I've not forgotten that. It may seem like a small thing, but it's indicative of where his values lie, whatever they may have been. I uh, And again, he was not an inspiring leader, and he had a tremendous example to shore up the Republican majority, and he chose not to do it. And so there was a lackluster performance by his successor against the, uh, his would-be successor, against the unspeakable um, Barack Obama, a uh, creation of the Daily Machine in Chicago. Well, let me ask. And you a maiden th- senator who had no, uh, who had had no other experience in doing anything, and suddenly he's president of the United States. And then, having been made president, he gets the Nobel Peace Prize for nothing. Let me ask you this: so that year on the Democratic um, ticket, or the two people running against each other, the the two front runners, um, to to. Artillery Barack. Would you have preferred Hillary? No. To Obama, you you no. 
I mean, like, uh, who would you rather be president, Obama or Hillary? Obama. Okay. Okay. I, I just curious because I know you you took exception to him being a freshman senator in yeah. that he doesn't know how to get things done, and that perhaps Hillary has more experience, and therefore, who knows? Oh, no, she was an evil witch. Okay. I mean, evil witches are in a, in a place beside themselves. Okay. Although some people claim that Obama himself may be our first trans president. I don't know. That Michelle is really basically that they switch places. Okay, so. Okay, so we've got Bush Jr., bad. Political capital, questionable, blah, blah, blah. Um, didn't put in a good justice either. That chief justice he put in sucks. Yeah, Robert. sucks. I, 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 I read his actual um, judgments on during COVID and all this other stuff. He sucks. Um, it's horrible. I can't yep. believe him. Um, yep, yep, all true. I mean, basically, Bush's thing was, if you don't vote for me, you'll get the other people. And they're much worse than I could ever be. Which is not a good argument. I mean, even if it's true, it's not a good argument. Yeah, you know, the left didn't fight so hard on Roberts. I don't remember. Well, no, they, they didn't fight at all. <laughs> why should they? Why, why would they want to? You know, He's been useful for them. It, it was like Kavanaugh. It wasn't, no, it wasn't like Gorsuch. Oh, no. me too. <laughs> and you notice after that whole thing fizzled, there were no apologies forthcoming from the press. There never are. You think there's going to be any apologies after this COVID, that COVID stuff? Like, whoops, sorry. Well, in a way, there has been in New Zealand. Who cares about? Okay, tell us about New Zealand, Charles. Well, no. What what happened in New Zealand is that the government admitted that the uh, the uh, uh, vaccinations for COVID are in fact causing all sorts of health problems. Hmm. However, they said it's your own fault because the uh, vaccinations are voluntary. <laughs> were Mind they you, no of course not it was the same as here you get fired if if you were in certain jobs you're in the military or this you're in that you get fired if you didn't get vaccinated i mean the, the, that's what made the thing so so wonderful well it was voluntary you didn't have to do it well no but you lose your job well yeah but it's still voluntary That's obnoxious. That, that's like high school stuff or something, or grade school stuff even. Remember the, bra the brain <laughs> level of the creatures that run the world. We are run by very stupid people. There's no other way to put it. They are very stupid. They are people who, if you knew them in, in private life, you wouldn't see them. Oh. I'm not going over you know, to Uncle Joe Biden. Dude, you know who I saw? You know who I saw yesterday at um at the Knights of Columbus Fish Dinner? It was crazy. Governor Newsom. No, I saw um it's funny because all these people there's there's gonna be the election for the, the city of Monrovia and everyone had all these shirts for um 
you know, elect Becky Shevlin. I, and then I was like, Becky Shevlin? Okay, who is this person? And I Googled her. And then right after I Googled her and I saw her face, she appeared right in front of me. And I was like, wow, that's the mayor. Um, so I don't know. Just I've never actually sort of like recognized a mayor before. I didn't say anything, but I mean, she's I guess she's Catholic, which is nice. Going to fish fries. Our sacrificial meal of Lenten penance, as Andrew from New Jersey might say. Did you address her as your honor? I didn't. No, I did not. I didn't talk did to her. I was, too, I, was too, I was too intimidated. I was too intimidated. Oh, yeah. Too intimidated by the mayor of Honoria. She, she, it's, it's a prestigious position, Charles. Well, let me see. Hold on. Mayor of Monrovia. We had a different mayor when I left. Actually, no, I mean, she was Becky busy talking she, Becky to Becky Shevlin. Yeah, Becky Shevlin. That's, I just met her last night. Or, I mean, I didn't meet her, but I, she was, like, right in front of me. She was talking to people. Ah, oh, she's been a mayor. Oh, I've met her. Yeah? Yeah, she's, yeah, she, I've met her. She, uh, she uh, was uh, mayor 2013 through uh, 2015. May 2018 through 2019, she served as mayor pro tem at different times, but she was only directly elected in 2022. Hmm. But she's only lived in Monrovia since 1988. She served on the Community Services Commission 11 years, chairing the commission for three years, and worked on various subcommittees, including art and public places, Metro Gold Line Foothill Extension uh, Station Design Art Review Committee, and Hillside Wilderness Preserve. She's been on the coordinating council for approximately 20 years and has served in all the executive positions. She has served on the Monrovia Reads and the Chamber of Commerce Boards of Directors as a past center or president of the Foothill Unity Center Auxiliary. You may or may not know the Foothill Unity Center is a charity that uh, includes Arcadia, Sierra Madre, uh, I think Irwindale, uh, all the Foothill communities, as they're called, and sponsors the annual interfaith service on Thanksgiving at Holy Angels. Uh, and so she said also, see, this is what I call the dictatorship of the involved. Really? Why? Because she like does stuff for the city. How do you she's know she's not qualified, though? I see. I feel well, you know, the dictatorship saying, of the involved is sort of like. Implies I'm not like, saying well, she isn't qualified. No, no. It's just that so few people get involved in civic stuff. Yeah. That whoever does. Yeah, they're in charge. They're, I, I say. Okay. I think there's a, more to saying, that. Okay. No, well, no. I mean, it depends on the town. Monrovia is very well run, in my humble, ex, uh, my humble estimation. Yeah. I, I think I think she and her cohorts have been doing a wonderful job for decades. Unlike, oh, I don't know, Bell or, uh, you know, places like that. But see, it's the same dynamic at work. Yeah. Who are the people that show up and do stuff? Right. And if if they're, I mean, in Monrovia, the balance of power, in my humble estimation, is held between two groups. The downtown merchants and the uh, historic preservation people. And the reason for that is because so many of the well, weller to doer Monrovians live in these beautiful craftsman houses, these bungalows and all that that are like 125 years old. 
uh, and between them, they do a really good job in running the city, but it's a small group. Now, see, I don't mind it being a small group, and you know why? Why? They do a good job. Arcadia, on the other hand. Watch your mouth, Charles. All right, we're moving on. I'm not going to say anything. We're moving on. All right. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, don't say anything. Leave it there. You don't even need to, like, tiptoe into anything. Okay. No, I'm not going to. If this local esoteric political discussion is right up your alley, become a patron for as low as $5 a month. Get access to this week's pre-show. And you get into Charles's discussion of... Colorful areas like Atwater and Lincoln Heights, as well. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I have to apologize to my boss. He uh, he really he really is lacking in local patriotism. <laughs> local faith, is that what it is? <laughs> yes, okay. that's what it is. He's ridiculing key elements of the beautiful matrix that together make up the greater Los Angeles area. <laughs> you know, I, I guess I can't refute that, I guess. No, you can't. I, I got you dead to rights. I have okay. staple gun you to the wall. Okay. You you have just come out uh, in front of everyone as lacking in civic spirit. You know, and I'll bet it started in school. Did you go to home games? What, like football high school games? Yeah. Of course I did. Did what you? you gonna, yes, I did. Damien Spartans. Yeah. Okay. We, I, how about? We, I went in the pit. Yeah. With how, all. How the, about now? Do you go to Arcadia High games? That's ridiculous, Charles, and that's not fair. I actually, I've gone to. Uh, you know what's actually more interesting? I've actually gone to. Uh, like in when I walk around the neighborhood, I actually will stop at a at a little league game and watch the the, the youngins play baseball. People have told me that's creepy, but I don't think that's creepy at all. I think it, Little League games are a lot more fun and interesting than, like, professional games. Number one, and there's several reasons for this. Number one, I don't relate to um, million-dollar, you know, jocks that have just, like, like they've yeah, made it. Yeah, but they're doing it on your behalf. They're jumping all around. Uh, whereas little kids who are part of actually part of the community – and actually need support and need the applause, um, that's actually, you know, I feel like so many people in sports too, they do it for, especially for women, especially for women, they do it for the community aspect, but they don't even realize that it's that aspect aspect that they're doing it for. All right, let me ask you, if Arcadia played Monrovia, would you come out? If uh, Monrovia High played Arcadia, I don't care. Dude, I didn't go to Arcadia High, Charles. That's not fair. I don't feel well, like. Uh, but oh it's wow, your town. You, it's my town, so you have to care about Arcadia High. Um, Arcadia High, I don't have an attachment to. No, I don't. Uh, okay, um, would you go? Would you go back to a? Uh, would you go back to a? Uh, now, uh, if there was a huge game where Damien High School in football played Bishop Amont for the championship, I would go to that. Would you go to that? Yeah, I would. Yeah, yes. but you know that would that would that would divide the Frankini clan. <laughs> yeah, because my brothers and sisters went to Bishop Amat. Yeah, I don't care. Damien will crush them. All right. Um, 
So anyhow, we're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. This is pretty local, pretty esoteric. Everyone's probably rolling their eyes. Uh, what about it, cheerleaders? What about cheerleaders? Do you think? Do you think local high schools should hire cheerleaders or train their own? Hire cheerleaders or train their own? No. Well, if that's my choice, it's obviously train your own. What I mean, because the cheerleaders should come from. I mean, that'd be ridiculous to have cheerleaders who don't even come from the school. What are they cheerleaders? Yeah, they're, they're, they're they're paid. They're hired guns. Like, yeah, but they're, they're professional. Just, <laughs> they're professional. They got paid to smile and to cheer on. Yeah, and they know That's what to horrible. do with the pop bombs. They can fling the batons up in the air <laughs> they're, with perfect precision. They're, and they're not even a part of it. It's just their job. That's, That's horrible. Job. I don't even like you putting that thought into my brain. Um, so, that's so, so devoid of. So you're going on record <laughs> as opposing high schools hiring provincial cheerleaders. I am going on record. I'll campaign <laughs> on that, Charles. I will outlaw that. You don't get to do you, that. You may end up as mayor of Arcadia, yes. <laughs> <laughs> These these are the kind of non-issues that keep me up at night in a cold sweat. <laughs> <laughs> Professional or or, or 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 recruited on the spot. Wow. All right. Um... Uh, you know, I, I, I don't even know if there are professional cheerleaders. I, there probably aren't. Well, well in, in, I mean, in professional sports there are. I mean, in football. Well. Yeah, but, but but not at the high school level, surely. I knew. I mean, there are cheerleader competitions where I thought like they're like um, like as a sport, right? Like a, as sort of like a, a display or something. You know what I mean? Like oh wow, well, you, you well, yeah, some cool cheerleading thing. Those, but, but they're not professional. Those, no. Those, yeah, those are between schools. I mean, uh, you yeah, know, uh, Arcadia so. High versus Monrovia yeah. High, etc. Not uh, the you wouldn't you wouldn't have uh, high school hiring professionals. I hope. No, I I should hope not, Charles. Okay, well, let's Beverly, get off this. Maybe Beverly Hills High. <laughs> they wow. can afford it. <laughs> Beverly Hills High cheerleaders, ladies and gentlemen, absolutely perfect. The. The dead mother is a uh, former Dallas uh, Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. <laughs> okay. All, All right, right, let's move questions. along. Nothing to see here. Move along. Move along. Time for the questions. Question from okay. Andrew from New Jersey is going to start us off. Um, All right. He said, hey, Paisans, greetings from the Celia Cruz service area just off the Garden State Parkway in Fork- Forked River, the great state of New Jersey. Yay, Jersey. I got a couple of three questions for Mr. Charles over there. First, who is this Morgan Attically chick, and how does she keep marrying all these royals throughout history? I mean, this broad really seems to get around. Well, she was originally from Fort Lee, New Jersey. And eventually, no, no. Morgan Attically actually refers to... Not a person, but a type of marriage. Now, what it means basically is that a person of high rank marries a person of lower rank. That's a morganatic marriage. 
uh, and usually they're kind of exotic uh, uh, exotic terms regarding the uh, uh, inheritance rights and things like that of the um, of the uh, children. Uh, they usually do not take part in the full rights of you know the higher parent. Uh, for instance, if one was a professional cheerleader and the other was a high school amateur, uh, that would be a more dynamic marriage. Mm. Okay. Pre- yeah, got it. All right. Uh, <laughs> Not going down that rabbit hole. Are no. You? Okay. Pizza Town in Elmwood Park or Lodi or Lodi Pizza in Lodi. Lodi Pizza in Lodi. Belmont Tavern in Belleville or Lido's in Hackensack? Lido's in Hackensack. All right. That's all I got. Peace. Uh, the Olive Garden stuff from a couple weeks ago was accidenti. You Medigans were eating pootsie before we gave you the gift of our cuisine. No more of this talk. That's actually referring to, I think, a pre-show thing where I, um, I feel like Connor from Chicago showed us a meme of a map of New Jersey and it highlighted the eight best Italian restaurants in New Jersey and they all happen to be Olive Garden. <laughs> by, some, by some strange quicky dicky dick. Uh, yeah, the... the, the uh, I'm just... Uh, let me check one thing. The Belleville Tavern, you know, I, I think I may have spoken to so the Belmont Tavern in Belleville. Uh, it's an Italian restaurant, all right. But what I want to see, the uh, it is cash only if you're going to go to the Belmont Tavern. Uh, why? Why would people do that? In in this day and age, you can't put a thing on your phone. You put a little card swiper on your phone to take cards. That's suspect. <laughs> Don't ask me, but they've got oh, they've got the, some really. Uh, I wonder you know, if the Manicotti's own that. That's that's some sort of like laundering yeah. outfit thing, cash only. Yeah, okay. You know, okay, fine. Credit cards not accepted. Established nineteen sixty-seven. Uh, thank you in memory of, of Chef Helen and Chef Stretch, who were locals there. The it's uh, Belmont Tavern is the original home of Chicken Savoy and Shrimp Beeps. So, the Belmont Tavern, ladies and gentlemen, definitely should go on your list of possibilities. Now, the Lodi. Cavatelli with pot cheese? I've never even seen that before. Cavatelli? That doesn't look... Okay, that's interesting. Because that's our famous pasta dish, Cavatelli. Oh, Okay. Their food looks okay. Well, you know, ladies and gentlemen, you may have noticed since we're hitting both California and Jersey, Manouchier, uh, uh, like little stuff on this show. Yes. And if there's anything I think we've tried to urge the very first year that we were on, is get to know your surroundings. Get to know your, where you live very, very well. The restaurants, the bars, the churches, the museums, the historic houses, the parks. Get to know where you are. Get to know your mayor if you live in a town that isn't Los Angeles or New York or Chicago. 
get to know how your place works because this is where the dictatorship of the involved comes from. I mean, uh, learn how you're, learn what makes your town go, you know? Because there, there are people, there are people who devote a good deal of their, of their time to keeping your town operating, volunteers and so on. And if you join their number, especially if you're of the Catholic persuasion, it also gives you the chance to make a, uh, make a bit of an inroad for the faith, if nothing else, by your example, and sometimes by your conversation and talk. Agreed. So, yeah. what else we got? Uh, Carl says, I have some questions. With AI on the horizon, what books would you like to see made into movies uh, with AI? Specifically, if they are made 100% faithfully to the books. With this newfound AI technology, obviously many dumb people would learn the contents of our literary classics. What books would you anticipate being burned first? Well, frankly, I don't like the idea of AI movies. I don't. I mean, uh, I don't like. I mean, I my my immediate answer is none. Uh, call me old fashioned. It may well be that in twenty or thirty years, as with the internet, we'll all be using it. Although I hate to think of what that's going to be like. Well, I mean, AI. It's easy to get your imagination run wild with it, what AI is, but Google is AI. It's just machine well, logic. Um, so I, what I think Carl is saying, because I, I know Carl, I've, like, I've talked to Carl, and I, I think what Carl is saying is that, again, the key word is 100% faithful to the books. So what he's trying to say is um, sort of... Uh, to, to to navigate that challenge of an, an an effective transcription from the book to a movie that AI might help in that process a little bit, I, I it's not going to be hundred percent AI, but um, it's it's going to help help you translate, uh, figure out what to translate from a scene or from a a chapter to a scene, you know. But I can understand your opinion, Charles. Well, I'll tell you. I, um, my problem, as you might say, comes from a conversation I had with my AI Bing. Okay. Um, and my AI Bing, I'll just, I'll read you the conversation. I think it's helpful. You'll see my, my problem. Um, we were discussing the Civil War and the American Revolution. And I, I made the comment, uh, in reality, what is called the American Revolution was off for a civil war and led to the American colonies of the British Empire. The Confederates hoped to do the same thing and failed. Okay, this is Bing's response. I see that you have a different perspective on the history of the American Revolution and the American Civil War. The American Revolution, 1775-83, was a war in which 13 of Great Britain's North American colonies won political independence and went on to form the United States of America. The war was fought against the British crown and its loyalist supporters who wanted to keep the colonies under British rule. The war was based on the principles of the American Enlightenment, such as the consent of the governed, constitutionalism, and liberal democracy. 
the American Civil War, 1861-65, was a war in which 11 southern states that seceded from the United States and formed the Confederate States of America fought against the United States and its loyalist states who wanted to preserve the nation as one and end slavery. The war was fought over the issues of slavery and states' rights, and it resulted in the defeat of the Confederacy and the abolition of slavery. Some people may argue that the American Revolution was also a civil war as it involved a conflict between group, two groups in the same country. However, most historians and scholars do not agree with this view, as they point out that the colonies were not part of the British nation, but rather separate entities that had their own governments, laws, and identities. They also note that the colonies did not seek to overthrow the British government, but rather to establish their own sovereign nation. Therefore, the main difference between the American Revolution and the American Civil War is that the former was a war of independence, while the latter was a war of secession. I hope this answer helps you understand the history and the current situation of the United States better. Thank you for chatting with me. Well, my response. What is the difference between independence and secession? Independence and secession are two terms that describe the process of a group or a territory separating from a larger political entity, such as a state or country. However, they have different meanings and implications. Independence is the state or quality of being independent, which means having the freedom and the ability to govern oneself and to have a separate existence from other states. Independence is usually achieved through a war of independence, which is a violent conflict between a group and its former ruler who want to keep them under their control. Independence is often based on the principles of self-determination, democracy, and human rights. Independence is usually recognized and supported by the international community and the allies. Secession is the act of seceding, which means withdrawing or breaking away from a larger political entity without its consent or approval. Secession is usually motivated by the desire to have more autonomy to protect one's interests or to preserve one's identity. Secession is often achieved through a war of secession, which is a uh, violent conflict between a group and its former partner who wants to keep them within their union. Secession is often based on the claims of sovereignty, nationalism, and historical rights. Secession is usually opposed and resisted by the international community and the enemies. Therefore, the main difference between independence and secession is that independence is a positive and legitimate outcome of a separation, while secession is a negative and illegitimate outcome of a separation. I hope this answer helps you understand the difference between independence and secession better. Thank you for chatting with me. My response was, not really. It seems the differences you cite are based on points of view. Who decides? I understand your point. The differences between independence and secession are indeed based on points of view, and there is no definitive or objective answer to who decides. <laughs> Ultimately, the decision depends on the balance of power and the will of the people involved in the separation, as well as the outcome of the negotiations or the conflicts that may arise from it. Sometimes the decision may be peaceful and consensual, while other times it may be violent and controversial. I hope this answer helps you understand the complexity and the diversity of the issue of independence and secession better. Thank you for chatting with me. I really don't want AI. Wait, wait, would you search for the answer on Google in that fashion? What's that? Would you search the answer to that question on Google? No. Does that mean you're not going to use Google? 
No, I do use Google, but I don't use it for the analysis like that. Exactly. That's exactly right. I use Google to get specific uh, bits of information. That's that's exactly right. That, that's exactly the same thing with how you're thinking of or the, the artificial intelligence technology that you're dealing with. I, I, that's silly to ask a political question or a philosophical question to a robot. It's going to just spout the liberal garb. <laughs> just you do the Google search. I'm looking at Quora where these humans are answering it. They're saying the same thing. <laughs> so you don't don't do that. You know you 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 use it in man, in ways that. So when it c- comes to dealing with shifting data or something like that some a little bit more objective type thing a technical advisor is great i've discovered if you need help with computer programming it's wonderful it will write the code for you um but political and philosophical like that's a uh, isn't that funny though like trads i don't know ai got popular and then everyone decided to dis- oh ai is evil because it says this well Consider the source of the AI. <laughs> I mean, well, I, as I say, when I had that little conversation with the thing, uh, I, I did laugh pretty heavily. I have to say, it's it was very funny. No, I this is uh, you've told me this it, one before. Independence good, secession bad. It, it, it is silly. It is silly. I, no, I I've gotten I've literally tested the limits of AI on the same thing with regard to extremism. Um, and the very specific use of that term, and very you know very particular, um, it doesn't you know as Elon Musk said it's a it's a political thing the way um, it's it's been built right now. I do um, have to make a confession though. Yeah, I have taken two phones and gotten too serious to talk to each other. So what? Uh, walk us through that. That's interesting. Well, you just you have the two votes, right? And each you've got Siri on, and you ask the one Siri a question, and then you make sure the other one's on, and the one Siri answers, and then the other Siri answers that, and the two series start a conversation. Well, what do they want? What is the conversation based on? Uh, misapprehension, usually. <laughs> I did that. In other words, the, the one doesn't quite hear what the other one is saying properly, and they're, they're off to the races. You can keep them going for as long as 10 or 15 minutes. That's actually really interesting. If you did two different AIs and then you prompted one AI to try to achieve some goal with another AI, and so then yeah. you almost have like this battle of... <laughs> I, that's actually fascinating. I need to... It, it, was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. Um, Don't know what good it did, but I enjoyed it. Let's uh, move along. Move along. Um, oh, uh, let's see here. Oh, well, he kind of had a question. I don't know if we skipped over part of it. it. Says what books? So, if we turned some of these literary classics into movies. What, and I guess they become more prominent. What books would you anticipate being burned first? Being burned? Uh, God with the Wind. Uh, uh, Dr. Zhivago? Yeah, Dr. Zhivago would, would take it. 
Uh, Oliver Wiswell they would destroy. What is that? Tell us about that. Oliver Wiswell is by Kenneth Roberts, who did Northwest Passage and Drums Along the Mohawk. But it's the story, it's a novel of the revolution from the loyalist standpoint. <laughs> oh, that's asking for trouble. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Gosh, I feel like there's so many books that, that I'm just not thinking of. Um... The Hunt for Red October. <laughs> Pork. <laughs> Tom Clancy. Mary Poppins returns. Oh man. Um, okay. Uh, all right. Uh, Carl also says. Um, oh well, actually, Carl gave some examples here. For example, Moby Dick, Huck Finn, and Arabian Nights. Many months ago, Charles mentioned that we no longer have morality tales. I beg yep. to differ. Our morality tales are now are films like Harvey Milk. That celebrate depravity or divide the country. Typically, violent films are about the only entertainment that is not woke. My conspiracy theory is that this is done to hurt us into a spiritually dark place. What say you? Yeah, it could be true. I mean, uh, violent films, the nature, require some sort of a moral compass or... You can't really have anybody fighting over anything. You know, you know, you can't have a difference of opinion. Hmm. Uh, yeah. you, 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 you can't have a fight unless there's a difference of opinion. You know, you, you have to have that. So I can see that. And of course, the other thing, too, is that Movies in general these days tend to celebrate the disgusting and the horrible. I mean, they don't all, but they tend to. Uh, and they often promote woke at the risk of coherence. Uh, you know, you you we've got to, we're going to do a Viking film, okay? But we want a black guy in the lead. Well, they didn't have black Vikings. I think that there's literally uh, – I thought they published or came out with this weird standard on Disney that um, kind of put Disney in a casting spot to make those types of decisions, basically. Yeah, which which is just crazy. It's yeah. sheer nuts. Yeah. I And I, I – it's wrong. Yeah. It's, it's just sheer plain wrong. Yeah, you know, uh, for my two cents on, on that for with Carl is, you know, getting that question, it, it kind of makes me realize why my wife and I were kind of resorting to so much Hallmark um, because <laughs> – that's one of the few spots where it's not a spiritually dark place. You know, you don't have that the violence, you don't have the sex. They're starting to do the gay thing more and more, which is uh, frustrating to us. Um, but it's like a, a little kind of like like safe safe place, if you will, where it's like people are positive. Um, there's not really any um, dangers to the imagination and weird. Um, morality tales um there so 
Yeah, definitely. That's a good analysis, I think, Carl. Um, uh, all right. Uh, Chicago Jacobite says, Charles, if Chubby Jackson could host a successful children's program, you'd be ideal for the job. On another subject, I was first introduced to Ray Bradbury as a child in the pages of the EC Comics. My question somehow arises out of this. What films or television productions made from Bradbury's work do you like? Which do you dislike? Any thoughts about some of them? Well, you know, that's a funny thing, really, because I don't think I've ever seen an adaptation of uh, Ray Bradbury's work that I've really disliked. Hmm. Uh, the movie version of Something Wicked This Way comes I liked very much. Uh, I liked the Martian Chronicles, you know, the nineteen, the early eighties uh, thing. I loved Ray Bradbury Theater, uh, which had a lot of his shows on. But see, part of that I think is because Ray himself worked as a screenwriter. He, he wrote a lot of screenplays, and while he was alive, anyway, he tended to work very closely with whoever was adapting his work. And, you know, I, I only worked with it myself in the sense of anthologizing a selection from one of his books. But I can tell you that that collaboration, which was, you know, wasn't much of a collaboration. I mean, I, I selected what I wanted. Uh, he asked for a sum of money, which was five bucks. Five big ones. He asked for $5 for the use of it. I asked his agent, why so little? She says, you'll have to ask him. So I did. And his response was classic Bradbury. Uh, he said, well, number one, the selection is, uh, is something I really, really like myself. It's one of my favorites. Is uh, from Dandelion Wine. And secondly, uh, it's an honor to have my work appear with that of some of the other people living and dead in the anthology. Now that was that was said by a man who was at the time arguably our greatest living writer. So I mention this because he must have been a dream to work with uh, professionally in terms of adopting his stuff. Because, you know, he, he had a on the one hand, he certainly had a great deal of integrity. On the other hand, he had a certain humility toward his work. And I have no doubt that, and he, and he understood screenwriting, and he understood uh, camera, camera work. I have no doubt that if if he had said, if you're working on adopting one of his, one of his stories, and he had said, you know, I think it would work better this way, I'm sure it would have been right. And I think that if you had said, oh, you know, actually, Ray, I think maybe it would be better if we did this and such, and you were objectively correct, I think you would have gone along with it. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Because with him, the audience was everything. He, uh, he used to like to say, uh, kind of to shock his uh, uh, listeners when he gave lectures, He'd say that he was the world's greatest lover. You know, they'd all look up at him a little weird and say, no, 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 it's not what you're thinking. I say that because there's so many things I love. 
and he would take them off, you know. And of course, always up there were his readers. Mm. And he really did. He, he loved his audience. He loved writing. He loved reading. And, uh, you know, he was that rare thing, a man who had a great love of science, not in opposition to the humanities, but as part of them, alongside. And that, um, he was an amazing man. And, uh, I mean, I knew him somewhat. I can't say we were close pals. Uh, but I'm grateful for the times I, I spent with him. I really am. Hmm. Uh, and he had a great effect on me as a writer. I don't mind saying. All right. Uh, Philip says, question for Charles. In absolute terms, who did more harm, John Lennon or Lee Harvey Oswald? John Lennon. Okay. Why? Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think assassinating JFK was a good thing. But in terms of the cultural damage that Lennon did specifically, and particularly with that song of his, Imagine. Imagine no religion. I don't have to. I, all I have to do is look at my owners. I don't got to imagine nothing, Mr. Lennon. All I have to do is look at the scum that owned me. Of course, when he wrote the song, it was a little different. A little. But now everything is exposed for what it is. Are you I hate it? to be a downer. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> we just had to no, imagine. Nowhere. Exactly. <laughs> Utopia. Nowhere. Now here. Who said that? That's Solange Hertz. What's uh, that? That's Solange Hertz. Yeah. Published by Tumblr House. A lot of books. Great wow. writer. Um, yeah. You know your own stock. I think that's great. <laughs> that's sad. What a sad state we are in with publishing. We're presidents of, of their companies don't even know their own stock. All right. Um, exactly. Chicken stock or beef stock? All right. A question from Adida. Um, she's <laughs> chicken stock. Okay. Right? Is that what you wanted? Chicken stock. Sure, no, an answer. I either would have done. Even vegetable stock. I don't care. Okay. All right. Anita says, greetings, gentlemen, and happy Lent. May your penances be as fruitful as they are stringent. In this election year, I should like to hear your commentary on the moral dimensions of voting, specifically on the question of whether it is a sin not to vote. I have heard some Catholics, including clergy, express the opinion that it is not only a civic obligation, but a moral obligation to vote, and that we sin if we choose not to vote. There was a time when I might have agreed with that, but the events of recent years have given us much reason to question how effective our votes are, how responsive our elected officials are to our interests and our wishes, 
how much difference there really is among political candidates, admittedly a pretty old problem in this country, and how sound the whole system is in general. Now that the moral consensus that once held us together has, been, has broken down, these issues are most visible at the national level, but I think we are seeing them more and more at the local level, at least in some places. What are your thoughts on whether, if ever, it is a sin not to vote? Thank you and God bless. Wow. That's a very tough question and a very good one. Tough question, good questions usually tough. Tough questions usually good. So there you are. Uh, well, let me say this about that, uh, and, and also in keeping with the uh, theme from the pre-show. I've, I've long said that we have our priorities reversed when it comes to voting, because so many people will vote faithfully for national stuff, less so for state, and then ignore local elections. Uh, time and again, when I've gone to vote in Monrovia, apart from the fact that everybody except sometimes the mayor or everyone's been unopposed in running. Uh, I've been one of, you know, 10 or 15% of the uh, townspeople who vote. So uh, what's, what's bad with that, you've heard, again, you've heard me use the phrase, the dictatorship of the involved. Well, every time I'm one of that 10 or 15% of the citizens of Monrovia who votes in municipal elections, I become part of that tyranny of the involved, if you see what I mean, because I bother to show up. Uh, I think voting in local elections, first and foremost, is extremely important. I, I don't know that I'd say it's a sin if you know, but I'd say I'm not in a position to say that. I'm not a, a priest or a bishop. But I would say that the obligation is very heavy to vote in local elections simply because your vote counts for a lot more at that level. You know, why do you think the mayor of Monrovia showed up at your fish fry? Because she's Catholic? I don't know. Maybe she already always did that. I don't know. Well, because it's important at that level of politics, unless you're the mayor of Los Angeles or Chicago or New York, it's important to keep some sort of pretense of being in touch with the locals. I don't. She wasn't politicking. I don't think anyone knew who she was. No, I only knew see, who she was because I literally just Googled her because of the person's shirt. Well, yeah, but see, the person, A, the person was wearing the shirt. No, it was a B, different person. It was a different nah. person. It was not her. She was not wearing her no, own no, I, got the, yeah. I, I, I got that part. I yeah. got that part. But still, the other person obviously was in support of her. Sure. And a lot of local electioneering is not done politically. This is my point. Oh, Okay. Uh, I mean, you look, I just looked at her bio, and you look at all the many, many commissions and boards and, so, and committees in the community that she was working on. Uh, you know, the local charities, the library, all this kind of stuff. Well, in local politics, actually doing something useful, uh, as opposed to higher level, is an important part of politics. People get to know you. Uh, and it, it's it's something that's measurable. It's something, I, I mean, 
what I'm saying is that you should definitely, definitely, definitely vote and be involved in your local politics. I mean, if there's nothing we learned from the hot, hot summer of burning love. It's that civil elections, civil government, civic government in this country are hugely important. I mean, they literally make the difference between sometimes between whether you've got a riot and your downtown is aflame or it's very quiet and nothing happens. You know, and, and believe me, of those two possibilities, the very quiet and nothing happening is so much better than having the downtown in flames, I think. But you that only happens when you've got an electorate who are concerned and interested and vote for a mayor who's for law enforcement. You know, and and if the police commissioner is voted is a voted job in that town, same same. Uh and you really, I think, owe it to yourself to get involved in local stuff, the Chamber of Commerce and, and all that. If Again, depending upon what your position is. If you don't have a business of your own, you don't go to the Chamber of Commerce. But Although probably wouldn't hurt to go to some of their mixers and scout, uh, scarf up some of the free, uh, the, uh, free refreshments. You know, those are always good. But seriously, um, I think it becomes in a certain sense, less important the higher up the ladder. So county elections, you have less of a voice in. State, still less, federal least of all. But nevertheless, you do have an obligation, I think, not to vote for things, to vote against them. Certainly anything that's going to extend abortion, gay marriage, euthanasia, all the good stuff that the uh, pigs at the trough want, to the degree that you that you can, you should vote against them. Uh, I don't know that I would say that's a sin because, again, not to because that's not my really not my place. It does sound though, if you're going to say it's a sin, then I would say you've got more of an obligation to vote in those areas where and where you can, when you can. Those areas where your voice is loudest. And that takes us back to the town. I mean, if I lived in one of these Boston, or Boston, uh, New England towns that have uh, town meetings, I, I they're the most boring things you can imagine, but I would drag myself to it. Because the town meetings are where the annual budget gets approved. And that I would literally be able to determine or help determine what my tax money was going to on the local level. And where do you get the chance to do that? Hmm. Yeah, no, uh, I'll say some words to see if it generates more conversation here. Obviously, um, you know, we can't answer the question from our own stuff, so it's like, what are the author what 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 are the authorities saying, right? So, um, so Pope Benedict um, had said uh, a Catholic would be guilty of formal cooperation with, in evil and so unworthy to present himself for Holy Communion if he were to deliberately vote for a candidate precisely because of the candidate's permissive stand on abortion and or euthanasia, 
When a Catholic does not share a candidate's stand in favor of abortion and or euthanasia, but votes for that candidate for other reasons, it is considered remote material cooperation, which can be permitted in the presence of proportionate reasons. Huh. Means you've got to have a real reason to do so. Well, well but well, but that's that's kind of like a, a step beyond, right? So that's actually saying uh, about the sin, no, and that's addressing the sinfulness of voting for a pro-abort candidate. Um, yeah, it's not not voting. Then there's uh, I'm seeing a lot of discussion of the concept of um, or what we have to weigh in terms of if you're voting for the lesser of two evils, <laughs> where it's like. Mm. Now that makes it really complicated, doesn't it? Where it's like maybe one guy, one guy is in favor of abortion, the other guy isn't in favor of abortion, but is going to start a genocide or something. I don't know. Um, huh. But um, the uh, someone else says uh, something that seems surprising to me. Uh, it says the generally accepted position of the United States bishop is that voting for a pro-choice politician is not in itself a sin unless the intent is to support abortion. However, one ought not to do so except to advance some other truly important moral issue. Um, that kind of leaves room for the seamless garment thing, which I don't like, honestly. No. Um, it's it's problematic. <laughs> So anyhow, the whole not voting thing—that's that's hard. I, people aren't even t- tackling that; they're tackling something that's, you know, in my opinion, more concrete than what you're asking, Anita. Um, but I, what's baked into this a little bit—that that where it gets interesting with you, Charles—is the concept of. Does your vote matter? Yeah. And you uh, kind of believe your vote doesn't matter. Which almost would seem to absolve any vote. Kind of. Almost. It matters. It matters the most at the local level where it can matter a lot. Um, I mean, I I I uh, remind you of the uh, the late lamented uh, uh, gosh, I think it was Dan, the fellow that owned Rod's Grill, Manny Romero, who uh, single-handedly took on Arcadia City Hall and won. Well, but he couldn't have done that if he hadn't uh, a had a, had that wonderful restaurant, and you know. He he he, had, he was a much more popular figure than the three corrupt city councilmen who were out to get his property. Well, the thing about the local, I think what probably everyone's thinking is it's not the big moral issues of our time. That's not true. I mean, they don't seem like big moral issues, but they often have repercussions. For instance, zoning very much affects whether or not you've got Planned Parenthood. Why do you think there's no Planned Parenthood in Monrovia? Why? Because every time they've tried to establish it, enough Monrovians have protested 
and the city council taking note of the fact that those are votes, I, uh, you know, when you've only got 10 or 15% voting, and the idea of all those protesters jumping in to vote against you, that's that's not a small thing. I, I, I don't understand a little bit. I, I don't know enough about civ- civic sort of administration. So my basic understanding was like there's a commercial district and a residential district. So you're saying there's special considerations for, you know, Planned Parenthood can't simply uh, rent out a place? Well, no. Uh, it depends on whether or not the town will allow it to. I mean, Planned Parenthood sets up shop in residential areas in various towns if the city fathers allow it to. But the city fathers could say, no, it's a business, and you have to go to a business district. Well, they won't do that because their clientele won't go to the business district. Now, what makes Monrovia interesting is that when they've tried to set up even in a business district, the protesters have turned out. And rather than take on a large number of people, the city uh, the city council is simply not not approved it. Is is that? But I guess what I'm saying is, is Planned Parenthood in this special class, this special category where you have to vote on on where they can go in? Like maybe 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 another example, exceptional example is like strip clubs or something like that, right? Where there are those those too. The, the right. city council could decide whether or not to give them a license to operate in the town. If they decide no, you don't you don't get one. Okay, so business licenses to operate in the town are at the pure discretion of that town, regardless of what business you're in. Is that true? Pretty much, uh, yeah. I believe so. Okay, that's interesting. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um. No, uh, you know. It also determines a lot of other things we live under come from the city level or the town level. Uh, obligation, I think, to try to make the place in which you live as decent a place as you can. Uh, that includes, for instance, being interested in the school curriculum, even if it's a public school. One of the one of the terrible things, of course, about the Los Angeles area is the whole LAUSD, the Los Angeles uh, Unified School District. Because like the city itself, it becomes an ungovernable monster, and the parents have very little control over it. But if your town runs its own schools, then you're in a, you have an ability to really do something worthwhile. Hmm. If you're in, if you're in, uh, you know, a town where the school district is coterminous with the town, and you discover that uh, they've got a horrible textbook, you could bring that to people, to actual people's attention, and possibly get something done about it. What? What did you? What was that adjective? Coterminous. 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 What does that mean? It means with the same boundaries. Okay, interesting. 
Okay, uh, final question for the episode is from Jared, who says, hello. I, I can't take it. I can't take it. It's too much. Okay, what is it? Oh, okay. Uh, Jared says hello. Hello. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I recently came across some Catholic discourse online discussing a picture of Robert F. Kennedy after he had been shot, lying on the ground, clutching a rosary. Several comments were saying that he has the, quote, last hope, or excuse me, he was the, quote, last hope for a true Catholic leader in the United States, and that he was a, quote, real Catholic, unlike his brother. Is this true? Was RFK more of a genuine Catholic and not a Catholic in name only, like much of the rest of the Kennedy family? Well, firstly, that's not a very hard. Being more Catholic than JFK is not a not a really high bar there. Uh, being uh, being more Catholic than Teddy, I mean. Even non-Catholics are more Catholic than Teddy. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, everything I've read and the few people I know who knew him tell me that he was rather more serious about his faith than uh, his brother. Now, whether that would have affected him later on, because we know how many serious Catholics amongst the Democrats became pro-aborts, like the famous father, uh, Robert Drynan, S.J., from, uh, you know, the pro-abort congressman from Massachusetts. It is hard for me to believe that in the face of Roe v. Wade, a Kennedy would have been pro-life. Maybe he would have been. I don't know. But I, it's hard to believe. I do think that he certainly was not the last chance for a Catholic leader in the United States, but he might have been the last chance for a Catholic leader from the Democratic Party. Although his great rival in the uh, primary election of 1968 was actually a very good and devout Catholic, and that was Senator Eugene McCarthy. No relation to Joe McCarthy. Now, if I remember correctly, and I, I don't, so let me see. I think McCarthy stayed pro-life. Uh, the hippies were all for him. And so there was a lot of jokes about hippies going out to work, you know, to do campaign work for him and getting haircuts and cleaning up and getting off drugs just to do it. And the joke about that was uh, they called that getting clean for Gene. Uh, I like that. Man, I'm getting clean for Gene. Um, now let's see Austin 1968 where he stood on abortion McCarthy responded uh, there are two issues that are not very clear one is abortion and the other is whether the bones found under St. Peter's Basilica in Rome really belong to St. Peter I intend to put the vice president in charge of both. <laughs> Who said that? Eugene McCarthy. Oh, okay. But he, um, if I remember, though, he did come out uh, later as uh, um, 
anti-abortion. And I am... I don't... uh, No, no. Uh, No, he did not. Eugene uh, Eugene McCarthy was against an anti-abortion amendment to the Constitution. So there you go. Typical. Uh, so no, I. Uh, yeah, I'm personally opposed. I'm personally against abortion. Blah 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 blah. I'm personally against genocide. I I I I feel on the one hand that genocide is a terrible thing. And I would certainly never be in favor of it, but I, I don't believe I could force my views on others. I remember when when that one priest was saying there is no um <laughs> there is an exception to every single moral principle or something like that. And I remember your tweet, you're so angry at him. You said the worst thing you could say about him, where Father So and so just advocated for slavery. In other words, he's saying there's an exception in which slavery is acceptable. Sure. I forgot what priest that was. It was a black priest. Um, I forgot who. And there's an exception to where you don't have to give money to the church ever. (laughs) Oh, man. It's It's a moral exception. It's a moral exception where you don't have to listen to the clergy talking about morality. The, um... I, you know, oh, speaking of which, uh, a good point was made to me. You heard about the trans funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral. I did. Yeah. Well, this is probably done in uh, done in uh, 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 reprisal for Father Ripperger speaking there. But the uh, well, he spoke there two weeks earlier, so I guess this was the payback. But it was pointed out that in all likelihood, if they had demanded a Latin requiem mass for the trans. They wouldn't have been allowed. Well, that really screws with all the wires of my brains there. Um, what? I mean, can you imagine? Uh, you know, uh, she had always wanted a, a traditional Latin requiem. Well, I, I thought they snuck it in. I thought nobody was aware of exactly what was going on. I thought they were sneaky. That was the story that from the reporting I heard. I don't know that how true it is. That was the story. I don't I don't believe it. I mean St. Patrick's Cathedral is an epicenter of everything. You know, but the, the problem with the Archdiocese in New York is that you do have a very large and heavy gay element in the city, in the uh, uh in the uh, in the priesthood of the Archdiocese. And uh, it may very well have boiled down to simple blackmail. I mean, you know, it's the city that produced Michael Voris's vocation. The Archdiocese that produced his vocation. I, I love the city of New York. I love the Archdiocese in New York. But, I mean, it's pretty corrupt. Hmm. The, um... I was randomly uh, googling Barry Goldwater because everyone talks about well about Goldwater, and since we're talking about RFK, I figured 
What's Goldwater's yeah, situation? Gold, well, Goldwater went pro-abort. Yeah, I mean, he seems very flexible. I was going to read a quote from Goldwater, which I thought was very... It definitely separ- It definitely shows a schism here. Not a schism, but um, a chasm between politicians and Catholics uh, in general, I feel like. Or at least yeah. faith- faithful Catholics. Mark my word, if and when these preachers get control of the party, and they're sure to do so, it's going to be a terrible damn problem. Frankly, these people frighten me. Politics and governing demand compromise. But these Christians believe they are acting in the name of God, so they can't and won't compromise. I know. I've tried to deal with them. Well, too bad you lost, isn't it? I feel terrible for you. (laughs) You But, but, you know, that's the nature of politicians, right, is this compromise and... Well, you know, look, we don't we're not interested in compromise, right? Like that's that's not on the table. I, well, no, I mean, they, I think there shouldn't be genocide. I think there shouldn't be no genocide. There should be some genocide carefully regulated. <laughs> I, I agree. <laughs> you know. Right. That's an example where there's no compromise, right? I like, mean, oh, yeah, there is. Genocide should be safe, legal and rare. Oh, now you're using the abortion lingo. Oh, 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 why shouldn't I? You know, you know the old uh, the old joke. How can you tell when a politician is lying? He's talking. Yeah, his lips move. His lips are moving. So that means he's lying. I mean, uh, you know, I, I've told you before how unfair I thought it was the governor of New York to be driven from office for consorting with prostitutes. I mean, I, I've always thought that the, the people of New York were being very unfair to him because, I mean, I've told you earlier in this broadcast uh, how much I enjoyed the company of Ray Bradbury and other writers. I like being with other writers. You know, we can talk about things we can't talk about with people who don't write. You know what I'm saying? So I can see why a politician would want to spend time with other people in his profession. I mean, they can discuss things in a way that they can't with people outside the profession. You see what I mean? I understand. Yeah. See, you and I have never actually been openly for sale. Right, openly. Yep. So this... This, the ability to talk with other people who are on a regular basis, I can see it would be very fulfilling for a man in the governor's position. I agree. I mean, when you go on those fact-finding trips to uh, the uh, Arcadia's sister city of St. John's in the Bahamas, um, I mean, I'm sure you enjoy talking with other entrepreneurs over your mojito, the cabana there on the beach. They're definitely well, it's pouring. Well, it's pouring rain in Arcadia, and the the water was flowing down the streets like there was flood. You're just sort of kicking back, discussing. Yeah, uh, it's 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 hard managing from afar, and they were like, "Oh yeah, it's very difficult." Yeah, kindred spirits. Yeah. So I, I mean, you understand how this works. So you can see why the governor would want to be with other people in his profession. I agree. I agree. Poor, poor governor. All right. Um, yes, he was the terrible governor, but never mind. 
Any closing thoughts, Charles? Well, yes, I do indeed. We are, as everyone knows, uh, this week we are going to be leaving the month of February already. You know, it seems like little baby New Year 2024 just got here. And uh, suddenly he's a toddler. Uh, he's going to be a three-month-old, which is really weird. Um, because Easter comes early this year. St. Patrick's Day and St. Joseph's Day. A kind of free-floating, which is also peculiar. Um, the the uh, but uh, Easter will come early. Oh my! I should mention, my youngest niece is getting married in December. So I plan to come back to the big nowhere sometime before that. But this year, I'll be home for Christmas. We can count you on can you. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents under the tree. You know, Christmas Eve is going to find me where the love light shines. I'm sorry, where the love light gleams. I'll be home for Christmas. And actually, not just in my dreams. That's beautiful, Charles. So that means I, I doubt that I'll be, be, be there for Thanksgiving this year. So, no, I won't be at the tower for Turkey Lurkey. Oh. But. I should be there for the uh, for the uh, Tower Christmas party. Dun, 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 dun. That'll be fun. You know, you know what's really sad? What? Is seeing Gus from the mailroom in the corner holding the mistletoe over his head and kissing his own hand. That is sad. Poor old Gus. But, um... It is hard. It is hard, but, you know, our, our employees, they're able to power through. We've got old Rose, Tyrone. Um, everybody, the whole gang. whole gang. And, you know, people people have been complaining they're not hearing enough about them. And I, I just will assure you, ladies and gentlemen, the whole gang are quite happy. It's just like the rest of us. Uh, there's kind of a fatigue in the uh, in the air right now in the country. People are sort of going through the motions, you know. There's not a lot of uh, not a lot of uh, enthusiasm, and to that kind of thinking, I can only say one thing: Happy days are here again. The skies above are clear again. Let us sing a song of cheer again. Happy days are here again. All together, shout it now. There's no one who can who'll deny it now. Let us tell the world about it now. Happy days are here again. You know the one thing we really need, though? A little Christmas right this very minute? What? I don't know. <laughs> well, that too, actually. No, but I think, I think that what America needs is Harry Truman. Why? Harry would know what to do. We're losing, the world is spinning around. We're losing lots of ground. Harry could tell us what we need to do to save the land we love. 
All right. Well, with that... You seem unimpressed by those lyrics. Not so impressed. Not so impressed. All right, fine. Be that way. Uh, I will ask you one question. Okay. What is it if it's Monday? It's off the menu. Do we have time for a second question? Yes. What about the soul you save? It may be your own. Take care all, and remember, uh, it's always darkest before it collapses completely. My message of hope for the 21st century. See you next week, gang. See you.